Hey, agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, or reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. If you enjoy our podcast, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode and help keep this show at the top of the charts so it can be found by more agency owners like you. And now for the show. Hey everyone, we have Kay Putnam joining us today to talk about branding for agencies. Kay is a psychology-driven brand strategist for entrepreneurs. Through work with hundreds of clients from global brands to solo business owners, she developed the Clarity Code. She believes in pursuing audacious dreams and that there is genius that lives inside every entrepreneur. When you have a clear brand, your clients love, respect, and are willing to pay premium prices for your work, exude the clarity and the confidence to scale and impact your income. Welcome to the show, Kay. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I think it's going to be a good one. Well, I know you and I talked a bit about brand and um, living in your in your zone of genius. Um, I'd love to hear from your perspective. How does failing to own your genius really lead to the commoditization of the industry by and large? Mm. I feel like the downward pressure towards commoditization is one that we're all facing and it all feels more intense every year that we go through. There's more and more entrance into our market, into our niche all of the time. So as brand builders, as visionaries, leaders of our companies, it is up to us to have a very clear differentiation. And what I found through my experience and my story and all of my growth in business is that people will tell you that there's like a system, that there's a way like step by step by step. Here's how you create success. Here's how you model what has been successful in the past. And whenever I've tried to do that, whenever I've tried to be somebody else or to like lean into somebody else's genius, to use my phrase, it's always fallen flat. So I figured there had to be a better way. And instead of that over-reliance on systems, over-reliance on best practices, which are just this return to the mean, return to average, I started to double down on what makes me really unique. And this is what I call your genius. So I think that there's different ways that we can quantify genius. I think that we all have a unique skill set. We all have a unique story. We have a unique personality, a way that we engage with the world, unique energy. And once you really understand what that is, it means that we're no longer competing on price. We're no longer competing on having a better widget or a more affordable retainer for XYZ service. We get to change the narrative to something that is defensible and something that does truly stand out because we're not just selling another web design service, another social media service. It is our essence that we're baking into our brand. I, I mean, I think that there's so many different components to this. I mean, I was actually having a conversation with my husband last night and I commented to him that I was noticing a lot of, I mean, air quotes, competitors in that I've noticed started to copy some of my messaging and my positioning and things in, in ads and stuff. And he was like, are you really frustrated by it? No, no. Because exactly what you just described is that anyone, anytime someone has tried to emulate or copy, and I personally have experienced it myself, is that I've fallen flat. 
And really they're going to have to do the exact same thing that I did of figuring out that that's not going to work. And then they're going to have to live their own true self, their own zone of genius, rather than trying to emulate someone else. And to me, it's also just, I don't want to live someone else's life, you know, either. So I just find it so, it, it did the pathway, even if I were to have been successful and quite frankly, thank God I, I wasn't because I wouldn't have been very happy doing that either. <laughs> that I want to live my life. I want to be authentic to myself. And it's also, even if you were to have success doing it, it doesn't really feel fulfilling. You end up just living someone else's life, which I just find antithetical to being an entrepreneur. Like you just, I wouldn't want that. I'm assuming that listeners wouldn't want that either. The thing that I want to dive a little bit deeper on is how does really being able to live that zone of genius and impact your brand, that differentiator, really impact how clients engage with you, with your agency, the the impact that they have, the respect that they have in you, and the ability to be able to charge those premium rates that most agencies, I imagine, are trying to go after. Mm-hmm. Well, sales psychology and human psychology in general shows us that humans make decisions emotionally. So even when we're selling B2B, we're selling ROI and a specific impact, specific transformation, at the end of the day, that's still a human that's making that decision. And by leaning into what makes you human and what makes you unique and makes you magnetic as a person, or even as like a, say you have a group of leaders, like a group of founders that are all leading a business, what makes you as a group more human, more magnetic, more unique, then people tend to lean towards you. So instead of it feeling like a sales pitcher, it feeling like a hammer to put a nail in, it becomes something more. You're adding another element to it. And that element on a very real level creates brand equity, which creates, uh, or it just adds to your bottom line because you can charge higher prices because people aren't seeing you in the same category as all of those competitors. It's not just about who can post on my social media. Actually, Robert, what types of agencies do you typically work with? So I can adapt here. Branding, creative design, web Exactly. You're not just another copywriter that can potentially write a sales page. It becomes, I want to work with Kay. I want to work with Monica. I want to work with Robert. And you are by definition, a category of one and people don't have that same ability to, to compare and contrast. It's apples and oranges at that point. Yeah. 100%. I also just, you know, The thing that I also find that was really important, not only did it impact my ability to charge the exactly as you're describing more of the premium end of of pricing, but when I was being able to actually have the brand, my content, myself be more true to who I am, I attracted people that I should be working with as well, right? The people that I shouldn't be working with were repelled by me and fine, I'm not meant for everyone and I'm okay with that. And the ones that were meant to work with me, my people were gravitated towards me, right? So it also made life and work a whole lot easier as well, because I enjoyed the people that I was working with, which made me not dread getting an email or a message or a communication from clients because I enjoyed the people that I was working with. I'd love to hear an example maybe of someone that you worked with and maybe was starting in a place where their positioning, the way that they were presenting to the world was very different to who they are and then how it actually ended up kind of turning out for them and the impact that that had on them. If you don't mind, I'm going to share also the antithesis of this story really quickly because it popped into my mind. Uh, This doesn't happen very often anymore, but you sparked this in me because it happened 
a couple months ago. And I had one of those sales calls where somebody came to me and they didn't really know who I was yet. And they hadn't been in my orbit, as I like to say, for very long. And that sales call was excruciating. I was just like, so (laughs) awkward because all she wanted me to do was to justify my prices, to convince her of what she should buy from me and why she should buy it. And it was like very adversarial. So that's what we're moving away from. Like I said, it stood out in my mind because it doesn't happen anymore. Most people who because I've done a good job of communicating my brand, of of clarifying it, and then being that in the world, that once people are on a call, like on a consultation, thinking about working with me, the question is just like, is this the right time? Is this the right fit for me? It's more of this order-taking situation than a sales situation. And then in terms of a client example, I recently worked with a it's not like exactly agency. Well, no, actually he was moving kind of out of an agency model. So he had built this business that was kind of just immediately successful, but he grew to resent it over time. And it's because it wasn't in alignment with his core values and his core story and who he was as a person. So even though it was doing really well monetarily and he actually had a successful exit from it. So happy ending there for him. He came to me when he realized that I don't want to do that again. I cannot imagine going into my next business and feeling that same way. It wasn't worth being in business for him if it was going to feel that way. So feelings sound like kind of woo or or mushy, but they really matter when you are the visionary that's driving success forward, you may, like in this particular client's example, like you may be monetarily successful in spite of that, but most often you're not. And then it also feels really bad. So now that he's shifted that and he's building this new personal brand more around like a consultative and course model, he is creating content again. He's giving himself permission to show up in this kind of like raw, but authentic way because that's very true to his brand. He's not he doesn't want to be this like polished, luxurious, high-end brand. He's more of this guy next door, explorer type brand. And not only is he succeeding now and seeing the monetary results again, but he's doing it in a way that feels good and that is more sustainable over the long term. I mean, I, I definitely resonate with the beginning component of being monetarily successful but not being in the right place. I mean, there's been multiple times in my meandering story where I have felt that way. I mean, I also think that I've just changed a few times yeah, in life that thankfully. made that also <laughs> necessary. <for> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you're not really feeling like it's driving energy for yourself, right? Where you're kind of feeling like you're being depleted when you're working, that energy cup, if you will, is being depleted every day. I mean, that's the quickest way to burn out, right? And so, yeah, it's just so nice to know personally and for that story that you mentioned to get to someone to being in a place where they feel that excitement, that happiness and being an entrepreneur. Otherwise, what is the point of taking all the risk if we're not going to have both the monetary and the life impact from it? It's just why be an entrepreneur? The thing that I see happen quite a lot, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it. How heavily should agencies be considering their competition when they're developing their messaging, their identity and their positioning? Okay, I might get some flack for this. I have a bone to pick with market research, <laughs> at least when it comes to the brand building okay, process. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have just seen like such little benefit to doing this. And you can already see it reflected in my story. Like when I was very outward focused, nothing was working, nothing felt right, nothing was resonating with my audience and with my potential clients. 
I think one of the worst things that any company can do, whether you're an agency or a chiropractor or creative or anybody, is to become this average of all of, say, like the 10 best entrepreneurs or best businesses in your area. It's just a recipe for a disaster. Like the human brain recognizes novelty. It also is a very potent truth finder and authenticity finder. So it just doesn't work. Please, if you take anything from this conversation, stay away from that. So that's the tendency, right? Like we just look in our little bubble, like this is other designer, logo designers. This is what their Instagram feed looks like. This is what types of content they create. This is what platforms they're on. And there's some value to have some intuition about like what the norms of your space are. But once you get a sense of them, it is up to you as the visionary to divert from those norms because that's where people are going to pay attention and you're going to earn the respect, the money, and the clients that you love to work with and that light you up. So instead, let me offer an alternative here. I think we can do a couple of things. We've already alluded to the fact that looking inward is really important and it is the source. I like to say we build brands on truth, not trends. And truth comes from inside. It's not something that we find outside of ourselves. And then once we have a sense of that and we're trying to figure out how we're going to use that, how we're going to show up as ourselves, it can often be much more useful to find inspiration and ideas outside of your industry. So look at the shoe brands, look at the ice cream brands, look at people that are selling, I don't know, coffee or whatever it is, and see if you can find the little nuggets that are authentic to that truth that you can pull into your brand from other industries because it's going to feel novel. It's going to feel exciting. Chances are that brand is probably much larger than yours. So it's had some like just market proof built up against it if it's working for them. That can be a more effective way of finding examples and inspiration in research. I agree with you an incredible amount. I, I don't necessarily have as much of a bone to pick with market research as you do. I think that it's useful in to a degree, right? But I think it's after you've done the hard work that you can confirm that the direction is sound. And I like to confirm with data, but I don't like to make decisions about who I am and who I'm going to be based on data points, right? I think that we had spoken about this in the past, but I was doing a vision workshop with a client and we were talking about his positioning and identity and we were Friday afternoon and he was headed into the weekend. He was like, over the weekend, I'm going to look at some of my competitors and see how they're positioned. I'm like, no, that's absolutely the worst thing that you could do. Please stop. It's like, how are you going to figure out who you are by looking at others? And he was like, hmm, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I mean, personally, and I, I just think that this is like the core of where the agency industry goes wrong. And I challenge every single client I work with, I want you to take your top 10 competitors. I'm using competitors in air quotes because I think that it's a perception of who our competitors are in the first place, right? But anyways, I want you to take your top 10 competitors and take all the branding off and just take the copy of their website. And then I want you to compare it to yours. You sound exactly the same. You sound exactly the same. And that's a problem. And if that's true for you as you're listening, you need to take some time to look inward and figure out a little bit more about who you are, what gets you out of bed, why are you here? You've chosen this vocation, this job with these people out of thousands and thousands and thousands of different directions. So looking inward is really hard. And I, my therapy bills are proof point that that is a challenge in life and in business. If someone's in a place where they're blocked and can't spend three years in therapy to figure that out, how can they leverage archetypes to do that inward looking? What would your recommendation be there? 
Yes, we use tools that mirror back to us so that we can have more of this sorting process happening instead of staring at a blank sheet of paper. So instead of like, who am I? And then trying to come up with that from scratch, we can use existing, (laughs) yeah, which is really difficult. It's also really difficult. Part of the human condition is it's really, really hard to see yourself clearly. So we see all of our flaws. We see our aspirations and who we wish that we were. We minimize our talents and our strengths and we're just a muddy mess. I like to say it's almost like looking at one of those surface funhouse mirrors that makes you either like super tall or like really large and wide. That's what looking at yourself tends to be like. So we find reflections, we find mirrors, and the brand archetypes are really, really fantastic tool of mirroring back universal truths that are more and less true for ourselves. So we may talk about it more, but I have a quiz, like a tool on my website to help you identify what your primary archetype is. I created that tool because I needed that mirror. I needed that tool that was objective where I could put inputs in be like, okay, this is what I think. This is what I feel. Let me just make some gut-based decisions on what my preferences are. Tell me what that correlates to, or tell me what that pattern is. And thankfully, archetypes are related to universal things that don't change very often. Things like love, wisdom, achievement, etc. So we can identify to those values or to those archetypal patterns on like this gut. I just like want to make a sound effect here, just like that ugh, level. And then once we identify what our primary message is by having that reflect back to us, we're like, okay, yes, that's me. Then it can be a tool to also help you filter through your decision-making process. So like, if this is true, if my primary value is say freedom, if you're the explorer archetype, how can I express that sense of freedom to the market or that value of freedom to the market? You might choose images that represent freedom to you. You might choose a color palette that feels like freedom and so on and so forth down to like the little minute word choices that we're making to communicate our content and our offers. Fascinating. And then during our own brand explorations and stuff, we absolutely used and leveraged archetypes to help guide the conversation. I have a question for you. So one of the things, and I think we spoke about this a little bit uh, when I joined you on your podcast, but the exercise I have clients go through, and I'd love to hear any holes that you see in it. One of the exercises that I have clients go through is to take a blank sheet of paper and to just write down their story, zero filter, whatever it is that happened, just matter of fact, what happened? Where was your first memory? Just write out your story. What did you spend your time doing when you were a kid to when you're an adolescent to what did you study? What different um, classes did you like? What did you study in school? Like all of that. Then from there, you're able to decipher which pieces of your life were important that actually were these like cornerstone decision-making points for you to end up where you are now to help guide that conversation. What do you think about that? And do you think that that sounds a bit too much like a blank canvas and um, a bit daunting to have that blank sheet of paper? No, I love this exercise. And what we know about how the brain works is that it's a constant filtering machine. Like we have all of this data. You could talk about what happened when you were three or what happened when, if you remember it, uh, what happened when you were seven, or maybe you're going to choose a memory from when you're eight. Just by the act of presenting what comes up on paper, we're starting to see very real data about what is important to us because it's the memories that actually stuck out in your mind. So that's really useful. I have a similar exercise if anybody's looking for a twist on this uh, that I do with clients as well. I call it the 10 truths exercise. So blank sheet of paper, I have people just write down as many 
statements that start with the phrase, I believe as possible. So what do you believe to be true about success or what do you believe to be true about change or the world or relationships, et cetera. And it's really interesting to then go back, whether it's your story or it's your beliefs and start to see the patterns and start to pick out the overarching narrative or it's like the red thread that runs through everything. And then somebody like yourself or somebody like me who has like insight about this, either the archetypal framework or a different framework, we can use that to see themes, to see patterns. So like when I have my clients do that 10 truths exercise, I can see which archetypes are most prevalent and I can reflect that back to you. I think the place where your client's require your assistance are perhaps to see how the dots are connected because sometimes that can be hard to do on your own even with a bunch of data in front of you so that's what i help my clients do and i know you help your clients do that as well yeah 100 it can be difficult to kind of pick through what which one of those moments all of the like through points for sure so the thing that i haven't heard a lot about and i'm actually truly not sure what the clarity code is all about can you tell me what it is and how does it help people Yes. So the Clarity Code has been a part of your brand and a part of showing up in your genius that can be really useful is to develop your own intellectual property. So to have your own process way of doing things, it's another way of guaranteeing that somebody can't get the same exact process, same exact like service from you that they're getting from someplace else. So that's kind of the business practical, like why I developed it in the first place. The second practical reason why I developed it was I needed, like I've been teaching for a decade now and I've been a student of human psychology and of brand psychology and all of these different things. So I needed a overarching framework that I could use in my brain as my proprietary process that I know will guarantee results when I bring people through that process. So it, it has been a retrospective experience of looking back and asking myself based on my business, based on the hundreds of clients that I've worked with one-on-one, the thousands of clients that I've been through my branding courses, what actually matters. And I boiled it down to four elements that are represented by code C-O-D-E. C is your character. It's a lot of what we've been talking about here. Who are you in the inside? Who are you really? O is what you do, the impact that you make in the world, the offer that you make. D is how you build demand. So how are you actually showing up in the world that invites people into your orbit, into your world? And then E, which was the newest element that I added maybe in the last two or three years is energy. So especially when we're running small businesses, whether you're a solopreneur, have a small agency, or even like bordering on a larger team, your results will never outpace your capacity. They'll never outpace your energy. So if we're not paying attention to how we're actually fueling ourselves as the human, our business will be stunted. And it took me a long time to recognize that even with everything that I learned, you know, with adding emotion and story and psychology and all of these things, I also realized that there's this other layer underneath of what kind of human are you being? Because that's going to directly impact how well you sell, how well you communicate, how well you show up, how magnetic you are. So that's the clarity code. I absolutely love it, especially love the recent development around energy. I talk about this an incredible amount. I think energy is one of the most comp important components. I mean, obviously the rest of it is also important, but I think that in order for you to be able to actually truly grow, if you do not have the energy to be able to do so, and if you're not actually filling yourself up with energy every single day, you're trying to push your business uphill. You're trying to push yourself uphill. 
and it's just so incredibly draining. There was um, a friend and colleague of mine, uh, Sean um, Fincher, that uh, went through an exercise with a group of us that I th- just thought was such an incredible way of like looking at how you're adding back of energy into your life. I mean, for me, a lot of entrepreneurs and myself as well had focused a lot of in our business life and he broke down our deposits, our energy deposits into four different quadrants and then had us write down what they were. And I just thought it was incredibly enlightening both for myself and everyone else in the group. But how are you depositing into yourself? How are you depositing to your business? How are you depositing into your friends and family? And then how are you depositing into the community around you? And you should be equally depositing in all four quadrants and not just in one or another. And we often as entrepreneurs deposit in just one of them, which in the end ends up depleting our energy, which I just think so is so incredibly important. You mentioned earlier in the episode the quiz around archetypes. I believe that you're offering it to listeners as a thing that they can go ahead and take as a quiz themselves. Can you share a little bit more about where they can find it and how it might help them? Yes. I shared before we started recording, Over, it's been taken over 250,000 times, which blows my mind. Um, and I think that's a testament to how useful people have found it. It has been widely shared by not just me, but all of these other people who have found it to be incredibly useful. It's absolutely free. It's on my website, kputnam.com. I'm sure there'll be a link. I think even if you search like K archetype quiz or even archetype quiz, I think I'm near the top. Humble brag, but I've heard that um, that my quiz is very accurate for people. So they enjoy it very much, even compared to taking some other ones. And it gives you your top type, like I mentioned earlier, but you also get uh, some email resources also free. So you get a free five page report related to your uh, type. And then also just different collections of things that I've been curating over time. So I have like Pinterest boards and templates that I've been curating, which include like fonts and social media graphics, et cetera. Um, And then also like stock image sites that I've just been on this mission to like curate different examples of the archetypes in as many places as possible. So I give you access to those after you get through the quiz as well. All right, everyone. Well, I know where I'm headed immediately after recording. Do check out the link in the show notes to do your brand archetype quiz. It's been absolutely amazing having you on the show. Kay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. So I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, It's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now, so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I I gotta sell, I gotta sell, I gotta sell because if I don't sell, I I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. 
This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000. Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5,000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's going to work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And it, yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks. And I'll see you inside the program. Mm-hmm.